doing it for Christ, and you're benefiting from it. And the need has already been met in Christ Jesus. Now, if you believe that today, would you just go ahead and lift up a praise yes, and lift up glory to God? On, give God Hallelujah. glory for it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that every earthly, spiritual, natural, physical, emotional need is met now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, family. Praise God. Well, we're continuing on in week six of our 40-day campaign. How many of you have been blessed so far? Yes, amen. Well, why don't you greet three people and say it's good to see you this morning. Give them a high five and you can take your seat. As you're taking your seat. Before we get started with the message today. If you have the Bible app on your cell phone or your iPad or whatever apparatus that you use, smartphone. The version uh, Bible you, app. Yep. We now can go live. So our notes, they'll be on the screen, but they'll also, uh, they're also on this app as well. So if you open up that app and just go to the events, events portion on there uh, and then search for Linked Up Church, you'll actually see all of the notes uh, right there, spelled yes. out for you, the so, outline for today. So this is what you do. You open up your version Bible app, Y-O-U version Bible app. You'll see in the left, right-hand corner, there's those three lines. You click those three lines, you click events, and then automatically it's going to allow the location button for now. Allow the location button. And when you allow the location button, Linked Up Church will pop up first. It's going to say live. You hit that, and then it'll bring up all of the notes It'll bring up uh, the live Periscope, so you can tell people they can do this and look at it from Periscope if they, for some unknown strange reason, can't make it to church. Mm-hmm. And then you f- scroll down, and you'll see our notes there, yeah, and you can right. add your own notes to apply to the <laughs> service that's going on. So, so we're getting there. We're heading in the right direction. We okay? beco- we're becoming <laughs> savvy, y'all. Okay. Let's get started. We are continuing on week six of our 40-day campaign. If you will, turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, I started there last week when we were talking about connecting to purpose. And, you know, I left that service saying that the people should know your name. And they should know your name because your name is the name that's going to point to the name, Jesus Christ. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess at that coming day that he is Lord. Amen. Amen. So it's not always about you. Your purpose is not about you as much as it is about you pointing them towards the life, the light, and the eternal God. Amen. So in Colossians chapter 3, same set of verses, but we're going to read this week from the message uh, version of the Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 through 25, it says, servants. We're talking about connecting to community this week. I'm sorry. Connecting to community. And this is what he has to say here as we continue on the vision, discussing the vision of Linked Up Church. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters or your bosses. And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full. When you come into your inheritance, 
Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. You can't just put your little fish bumper sticker or sticker on the window or on your business card and think that that's going to cover up shoddy work. You still got to represent the the king of excellence. Amen? Amen. So the fourth mission of Linked Up Church is to bridge the, the, the gap between the marketplace and the community to the body of Christ. We are light out in this community. And one of the biggest communities that we are light in is the marketplace and the workplace. People are dying daily, going to hell, not knowing the gospel, the good news that will set them free from sin, deliver them from bondage, and promise them eternal life. Amen? Amen. So by acting on your faith in the marketplace and the community, other people are drawn to, to God. When we represent the light, when we speak life, when we operate in excellence, points that we'll share later on, you are representing God, and people can't help but to be magnetized to that. That's right. That's right, drawn to it. Yeah. And some of them don't even realize that this, this lure is going on. They just want to talk to you, or some, some cases they just want to hate on you for no other reason than you representing God. And if you're representing God, whether they love you or they hate you, when you realize you're doing what you do unto God, he's going to make sure your reward, he sets that table before you in the presence of enemies as well as your allies. That's good. So we want to transform the marketplace. We want you all to start thinking about your places of employment as a place for your light to shine and draw other people to Christ. We're not talking about putting a big Bible on your desk. Amen. Right? Or, or walking around like you're smelling something all day long, <laughs> deep in the spirit. No, we're talking about doing your work with excellence and others wanting to know what is it that makes you get here early and stay late and do more than what's required. Then it opens up a door for you to be able to share the truth with them about who it is that you're actually doing that for. See, you might not even like your boss, but how many of you serve a higher boss than the boss that you actually work for should get the benefit from that, right? And so what is community? Community, by definition, is a social, religious, occupational, or other group sharing common characteristics or interests and perceived or perceiving itself as distinct in some respect from the larger society within which it exists. And so that's from the dictionary.com. And so, I mean, linked up church is a community. Our members are a community. And the goal here is that we not connect on Sunday morning, disconnect on Monday, and then reconnect the next Sunday morning. I mean, we're really supposed to stay connected all week long. And and one of the best ways to do that is in the marketplace by helping each other out, praying for each other, looking out for each other, being a light on our jobs. But then also, you know, the community is your neighborhood. I mean, there are people dying daily in your neighborhoods, right? And they need that light. The church home, small groups are communities, right? And we're learning that the more we can get people together, the better life will be for them. Dream Team is a community. The workplace, again, is a community. Recreation. How I many of you go to the gym and work out? There's a community at the gym. If you ever go there, you'll see certain groups that always kind of work out together, hang out together. The particular uh, ch- uh, gym that I work out at is interesting. Every week, 
there's a group of uh, Korean or Asian ladies. They actually have their small group meeting at the gym. And so a lot of times I get done with my workout, going to steam room, signing. You see them all pull their chairs around just outside the sign door, and they'll have their apps out, their Bibles, and they're doing life together. And you'll find that strengthens their communities because what they're saying is, we don't just like you on Sundays. <laughs> we want to help you, encourage you, build you up throughout the entire week. And what you'll see in these communities is that they also support each other in the marketplace. That's right. They only support each other's businesses. I mean, this is important for us, and I'm not talking color here. I'm talking believers and this community called Linked Up Church. So God always intended for us to do life together. We shouldn't disconnect again on Sunday and then reconnect the following Sunday. There's a life that God desires for us to live, and it continues from this place to small groups, to dreams, teams, to the gym, to the marketplace, wherever you do life. How many know we should be a light to that area that we're in? So therefore, your church life is a continuum into your workplace, is a continuum into your neighborhood, is a continuum into your recreation, or whether you cycle, read books, whatever you do, cooking class, it's a continuum. Yeah. This is all back again to the alignment of the vision of Linked Up Church, connecting people to God, yeah. teaching you how to have Bible studies and have that relationship with God, being a part of your local church. Number two, and that's, that's, that's taught in our grow classes, uh, one, connect classes one-on-one. Number two is connecting people to their families, your church family, your personal family. There is where you get deliverance and you yeah. get freedom. Yeah. That's t- taught more in our uh, uh, connect classes 201. And then there's number three we talked about last week, connecting people to purpose, yeah. understanding who you are and whose you are. Not only living on purpose, but living in your purpose. And there you're functional. There you're passionate. There you're productive. There you're profitable. There you're a blessing when you're operating in your purpose. Purpose doesn't always equal profit, but purpose does mean fulfillment. Amen. And now talking about with that purpose, you fulfill and walk, walk into connecting with your community. So how do I connect to my community? How do I connect to my community? Number one, operating, as I said, in purpose and on purpose. Operating in purpose and on purpose. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because we talked extensively about that on last week. So I encourage you to download or listen to SoundCloud last week's uh, message. If you're listening right now to SoundCloud and you missed last week's message, you can do that. um, uh, Refer back to that later on. But in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, I'm going to read the Amplified edition of what he says here. He says, for we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus. When we said, Jesus, come into my heart now, I make you Lord and Savior. We were recreated in him, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined. He planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. That's good. That's how much your God loves you. Before you were a twinkle in your mama and your daddy's eye, before you were a thought or a due date on their calendar, 
God had already planned a good life for you. Yes, he, did. he predestined victory for you. Yes. He already prearranged your triumphant lifespan. Yeah. It's already there. All we have to do is line up with what he's blessing. Yeah. And the steps are ordered by God, he says, for the righteous. Yeah. And we'll find ourselves walking into purpose. Yeah. But yeah. it's our duty, responsibility, and obligation to discover our purpose. And we have to be honest with ourselves in order to do that. And again, I encourage you, if you haven't taken the Connect Class 301, that's where you learn more about yourself and your purpose or how you're designed. Now, that's good. I don't know if you all really understand what that verse just said. He didn't prearrange a life for you. He He prearranged a good life for you. That's right. You realize whether you're living one right now or not, you can live one. That's right. So don't really worry about where you're at right now. Just focus on connecting with him. And I'm telling you, he will work everything out for your good, get you right back on the path that you need to be on, and have you living the good life he prearranged. Come on, folks. It would be a tragedy to leave this earth without living the good life that was already prearranged for you. Come on, I need you to get that this morning. Come on, say that by faith. Say, God has prearranged a good life for me to live. Do you receive that today? Well, why don't you go ahead and thank God in advance for the good life that he's designed for you to live. Your life is supposed to work. Your marriage is supposed to work. Your children are supposed to work. Everything about you should equal good. That's right. Because God prearranged for it to be that way. Do everything that you do. Point number two, do everything with excellence. Point number one was operating in purpose and on purpose. Point number two, do what you do with excellence, okay? Now, go with me to Proverbs chapter 17, and let's read verse 27. Do what you do with excellence. And sometimes excellence is just showing up on time. You know, I like to say it this way. Military people will understand this. Just doing the last thing you were instructed to do till it's complete. Just not leaving things undone. Being trustworthy. When your boss gives you an assignment, he no longer or she no longer has to think about it anymore. You're not sitting there saying, well, they won't remember anyway, so I don't have to worry about. No, you're saying the assignment was given, so I'm getting it done whether they remember it or not. And matter of fact, I want to make sure I remind them about the assignment that they gave me. Oh, Jesus. Proverbs chapter 11, look at verse 20, uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. It says, he that have knowledge spareth his words. You know what I love about that is learn, don't talk too much. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to be seen and not heard. It's better to just do your work versus talking about doing your work. Right? And let your work speak for itself. Don't let your words speak for you. Let your work speak for itself. It says here, he that have knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of a what? Excellent, Excellent spirit. And sometimes it's not that deep, folks. You don't always have to be right. You don't always have to be perfect. You don't always have to be the best or the fastest. But listen to this. You should always do whatever your best is. 
How many people will acknowledge that and recognize that, give you credit? They'll know your limitations. They'll know your strengths. They'll know your weaknesses. But they'll know that you did your absolute best in that situation. That, my friend, is a spirit of excellence that I believe is on the inside of every single believer. It doesn't mean that you're the most qualified. doesn't mean that you have the best resume. It just means that you do the best that you can every time, and people will acknowledge that, take note of that, and it'll bring you to a high place in the things of God. That's right. Both parts of that scripture serves to be true. Think about it. If, if you're a manager or a boss or you're in the HR world, if I hired you to do this specific job description, And I said, if you do this specific job description successfully, you'll get paid this amount of money with these type of benefits. And you do just that. If that's all you do and you barely get that done, I owe you no raise. Mm -hmm. I owe you no promotion. Mm -hmm. I owe you no recognition. Mm -hmm. Because you agreed that if you just do what's on this job description, you agreed to be paid this much. You agree to that. You agree to those benefits. You agree to those vacation PTO timelines. Mm -hmm. But if you operate in excellence, you'll go beyond. You're doing as best as you can. They see, even when you don't know, but you work at home to figure it out. You come a little early to get it done, to meet the deadlines. You stay a little late to make sure your team is supported. You do what you need to do, not only to get it done, but get it done successfully and in excellence. Now, that's when you stepped above and beyond what I asked you to do. Now, I, it warrants me, it behooves me to retain good workers. Yeah, G- Jesus said it this way. If they ask you to go one mile, go two. So, point number three, your everyday goal is to please God and not man. You, no, number three, your everyday goal is to please God and not man. That's good. If your efforts are to please man, the best of men with the best of intentions will let you down. They can't know everything that you do at all times, but God sees all. He says that his eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Who is he that will harm you if you do be doers of that which is good? He sees all and he is faithful to reward those that diligently seek him and seek to please him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says here um, in the Amplified Edition, and whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or in deed, what's left after whatever? Do everything. What's left after everything? Nothing. In the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, and he covers it all, whether it's in by what you say or by what you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So when you punch in and you, you're asking, when someone's asking you to punch in for them because they were in 30 minutes late, you, you, you need to be able to say, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. I'm being deceptive and manipulative in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Can you do that? <laughs> I'm telling this lie in the name of Jesus. Can you do that? I'm copying this work assignment from somebody else because I didn't do mine in the name of Jesus. When we do what we do unto the Lord, man benefits. God gets the glory, and he is faithful to reward those that glorify him. That's so good. And that is such a key to what I would call a stress-free life. Because you're never going to like everyone that you work for or work with. 
And so if you just remove them from the process and do everything that you do from God, for God, then how many know you can enjoy your work because you're doing it as unto God? We were at a conference on last week, and someone, I won't mention his name, I was in his actual app session, and I used to watch him when I first gave my life to Christ. I used to sit on, and watch him on television, and he's been in ministry now 40-plus years. And I just went up to him. I had a legitimate question afterwards. I said, you know, how is it that you uh, can still do what you do and love people the way that you do after so many years? And this was interesting to me. He said, after about five years of doing this, I figured out to never do it for the people. He said, I do everything that I do for God because when I was doing it for the people, 50% agreed, 50% didn't agree. And so it always left me feeling like I was hurting 50% of the audience. So once I removed that and did everything that I did for God and left the results up to him, that's how I've lasted over 40 years. So, folks, if you want longevity in anything, remove the people. And that's not just limited to the workplace or your business. That's your community, whatever it may be. A lot of times, wives, we make the mistake. I love my husband. Don't get it twisted. I, I love you, baby. I, know you I, I love I know you. you. I know I, you do. You showed me last week. I know, baby. I know. Business all in the streets. <laughs> but there's times where I don't like working with him. That's right. And he don't like, I know there are times where I'm talking and I can tell he shut down. He don't like working with me. There are times it does exist in the Gregory family. Yes. In ministry, serving the Lord God Almighty. Yes. As wives, a lot of times we cook, we clean, we laundry, we take care of the kids, and we thinking that we're doing it for him. We cook his favorite meal for him. When you switch that attitude and say, God, I'm glorifying you in my service to my husband, expecting a harvest of return because you promised it. That's good. It helps when he doesn't say thank you or when he doesn't wash the dishes after dinner. It helps when he forgets to, to acknowledge that that was his favorite meal. I don't say thank you. You, no, you almost always, 98% of the time. <laughs> All right, number four. Let's just move on from that one right now. <laughs> Number four, integrity is key to the marketplace success. This is one of my favorite ones. Integrity is key to marketplace success. Go to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. Integrity, we're going to share a story at the end that I think will wrap all of this up. So I won't spend a lot of time. But really integrity, what I like to say is it's, it's really... <sighs> mm. Integrity is a lost. You don't see this anymore today. Or you don't see a lot of it, I guess I should say. But it's really when your words and your actions agree, then you have integrity. Consistently. Consistently. So in other words, what you said and what you actually did agreed, then you have integrity. Example of that. I mean, I can tell my wife I love her, right? But if I'm flirting with other women when I'm not with her, I don't have integrity. So I told her the truth that I loved her, but I don't have integrity because my actions when I'm not with her speak to something completely different. Can you all see that? So important. Proverbs chapter, look at this here. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 3 says, the integrity of the upright shall do what? Guide them. But the perverseness of transgressors transgressors shall what? So notice, when you make, now this doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time, 
But when you set your heart on to make sure that what you said and what you do agree, how many know it'll become a guide to you? Now, really, three areas you always want to pay very close attention to. I like to call it the gold, the glory, and the girls. Or the guys. Or the guys. Right? These days, girls ain't How many know money will, will locate your integrity? Oh, Jesus. Mm. I said, how many of y'all know money will locate your integrity? Come right? on, linked up church. Come on, church. Talk to us out here. I mean, the money will locate your integrity, whether or not you're willing to get it at any means necessary. Right? What you'll find, and again, the, the business manager is sitting right here. As soon as we hired him, one of the first things I said to him is, is, if you ever see me do something wrong with this money, report me immediately. You don't need to ask permission for that. You don't need to come get approval from me. You need to call Apostle Price immediately and let him know what's going on. And you, your job is to protect these people and their interests and their resources at all costs. He's sitting right there. That's when I hired him, the first thing that I said. The girls. How many of you are always going to be tempted? Or guys. How many of you are always going to be tempted where the opposite sex is concerned? Okay, let me come on down here now. This is getting personal now. And, and it says a lot about you when you really are who you say you are when you're not with your spouse. Right? And so I want to go as far today as to say as if I've ever said something wrong to anyone that would dishonor my marriage, come forward now. Talk about it. Come forward. Bring it to the church. Let's go public with that. That's right. Anywhere. Both I'm on ways. SoundCloud right now. If you're listening by SoundCloud, if I've That's ever right. said anything to you that dishonors my wife, come forward with that information now. And let's expose this pastor so that he doesn't stand up in front of these people and be a hypocrite. You understand? Come forward if you're but out there. But that goes there. both ways. If, you if, know, if there's anything that I've ever done, because I, I am friendly by nature, but if there's anything that I've done that's not consistent on both sides of the fence, I have no problems with you coming to me and confronting me about it. Yeah, come forward with come it. Come forward with it. Yeah. See, and this is what we're see, committing to live before you all. That we're not going to be up here talking about it and, and then, you know, you catch us out somewhere living something completely different. We're just not going to do that. Folks, that's integrity, okay? And then let me get this last one because you see the clock is moving. Last one is the gold. Not, not the gold, I'm sorry, the glory. I mean, you know, people will abuse power. And you must get to a place where you never abuse whatever position God gives you, but you use it to serve people. That's right. That's right. That's right. Number five, faithfulness is the key to ownership. Number five, faithfulness is the key to ownership. I recognize, we realize, and, and, and God, sure, has predestined that not everyone is an owner, but everyone has to own their responsibilities. No matter where they are, whether your responsibility is as a husband, a wife, a mother, uh, whether it's a, as a, na- a good neighbor, whether it's as a captain on your team, dream team, whatever it is, you own a responsibility. But if you're a business owner, faithfulness is the key. Not when you become an owner, but in the small things. That's good. Luke chapter 16, if you would go there, Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. Jesus is saying here, he went on to make these comments. If you're honest in the small things, then you'll be honest in the big things. If you're a crook in the small things, you will be a crook in the big things. 
If you're not honest in the small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? That's good. Somebody should shout amen on that one right there. That's good. It's one thing to show up and be on time and do those things, but being faithful Mm. with that which you've been assigned. Trustworthy. If you're serving in the dream team and you're an usher or a hostess, greeting people with a smile, being kind and being respectful, being honorable, that's what being faithful is because now you're honest in these small things. Yeah. So therefore, we, 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 we shared a friend, that someone that served with us for a very long time, and he was a usher to the heart. I mean, he loved serving the people. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. We would do hospital visits, and he would show up sometimes. And he hated hospitals, because, but because he loved serving, and it was who he was, and he was honest in those small things, he'd be at the hospital ushering people through the hallway. <laughs> oh, this room is over there, and ushering people. Remember that? <laughs> ushering people. Being faithful in the small things, God will promote you into the larger things. That's good. Because once you, if you just by happenstance end up in that larger place, all, the, all that's going to happen is that you'll be exposed. The bigger you grow, the more noticeable you become. The more noticeable you become, the more eyes that are on you. And they will recognize, trust and believe, they will recognize where there is a lack of faithfulness, mm-hmm. where there's a lack of honor, where there's a lack of honesty, integrity, or what have you. She'll tell you, I have a, a philosophy, I have a position. When you see people get exposed publicly at a large level, oh, yeah. they didn't just start there. Mm-hmm. And so I won't talk about the situation, but, and it didn't happen in the state of Georgia, but I was telling her, you know, a situation where a bunch of these leaders were all, they're all now getting ready to go spend time in jail. But I said, I bet you before they had that position, they were probably still in paper clips <laughs> in other positions. Paper clips went from real paper because they were a crook in small things. So once they got a larger platform, they became a crook with the bigger things. Write this down. Never let your talent or gifting take you somewhere that your character can't keep you. Song of Number Solomon six. talks about how it's the small things, the small, small foxes, foxes that spoil the vine. That's good. Number six, submission is the key to exaltation. I know we don't like that word submission, but it's important. Whether you agree or not, if you are the uh, person that's the employee and you have an employer, then how many know you need to submit to what you're being asked to do? All right, watch this. Submission is the key to exaltation. You have to go low before you can go high. Right? And that's called humbling yourself. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 through 7 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. How I many you know, again, we don't see that. When I was growing up, you had to address people by ma'am and sir and yes, ma'am and yes, sir. You weren't allowed to call people by their first name or, or say elders. man or what's up, man, or how you doing, man. I mean, you're getting Bruh. ready to get, come on, somebody, you're getting ready to get a backhand somewhere. Today, kids will walk up to you and, and your, your, your child will introduce you as their parent, and they'll say, what's up, bro? And I'm thinking to myself, now, again, they don't mean any disrespect by that. It's actually a term of indifference. They haven't been taught any better. How many of we need to get back to young people submitting to older people? Let me say that again. I said, how many of we need to get back to young people? 
Come on, we need to get back to when an older person walks in. Give up your seat. Get up from your seat and give them the better seat in the situation. I'm talking about when we're at places and you see an older person struggling with their groceries or something. We need to get back to, can I, can I at least offer you a helping hand? Saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. There's an honor that needs and a submission that needs to go to our elders. Says, yes, all of you be submissive one to another. Then there's a submitting to an each other that needs to take place. And then be clothed, wear it as a garment with humility. For God resists the proud, but notice this, he gives grace to the, to the humble. That's right. How many know it's something? There's another translation that says, the power of his hand will always remain on you. How I many there's something about when God's hand is on your life? And he's making everything work for you. That's because you decided to humble yourself and be submissive. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, which is the word of God or his way of doing things that he may do what? Exalt you when? In due time. Learn how to keep doing what's right because it's right. Stay under with a smile on your face. And how many know it won't be long before you go from the bottom right to the top? Come on, somebody. Before God brings you from where you at out of that place to a much higher place because you made the wise decision. Even though I don't agree with this, I'm not, they're not asking me to do anything illegal. So I'm going to keep doing what's right because it's right. God will see that. And how many know he'll exalt you in due time? And then you, it might be a case where the same people that you used to hate working for, they may end up working for you. That's right. I've seen that time and Come on, time I'm preaching again. better than somebody, anybody right. in here saying amen, right? Learn how to stay under with a smile on your face. Then notice what he said, casting all of your care on him, for he cares for you. Stop telling your coworkers about your problems on your job. Talk to God about that. Folks, we need to stop talking about people. Cast that over on God. God is the one that really cares about you. Learn this lesson. If folks, if people are talking to you about other people, you're then they're to talking to, to other people, people about, about you. you. But also learn that about yourself. If you're talking to other people about other people, you're sowing that. Forget about all of that. Who did you wrong? Who did that? Did you hear about that? No, let's cast all of that over on God because he's the one that really cares about us. That's right. And even with that, I know especially in the professional world and your more, you know, licensed or based type of employment or ownership, you can't be so concerned about who gets the credit. There's more strife in an office because of who got the credit who stole the credit, who didn't really do their share of the work. When you do what you do as unto the Lord, your faithfulness, you're faithful in that and you're humble. Listen, after a while, it won't take some, no time to figure out what was the ingredient that made this here recipe work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the opposite of that is true too. If you keep moving to just different situations and all of them keep exploding, <laughs> figure out what's the common denominator in each of those situations. And change whatever that is. All right. So th that's that as far as how do we connect to the community. Now we're talking about results of connecting to the community. The results, the harvest of connecting to the community. Number one, your harvest, when you 
connect to the community in excellence, in purpose, in faithfulness, in humility. When you are operating in all that to the best of your ability, part of your harvest is favor. It is favor. I call it fog. I, I, every time I see fog, I'm like, there you go, God. What you going to do today? <laughs> fog, the favor of God. Psalms 5, verses 11 through 12 in the King James, it says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because thou defendest them. He goes before me and he is my defender. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. When you are operating in these characteristics of excellence and serving the community, whether you are at home, in your neighborhood, at work, at your at your job or at your business, wherever you are, when you're operating in that, there is this cloak, this shield, this surrounding of favor with God and man where people can't help but to want to do good things for you on a regular basis. Yeah. They want to look out for you. Yeah. They want to give you the hookup. Yeah. They'll come find you. Yes. And listen, somebody sitting in this room right now, God is preparing someone right now that's looking for you. It's getting ready to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. And listen, it has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with the favor of God that is on your life. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about, I'm talking about good things. When you believe good things are going to happen to you, good things happen to you all the time. I'm talking about if there's not a a, a parking space, if it's too crowded, just keep circling around and say, now, Father, send somebody out right now to leave so I can get a spot. And I'm telling you, somebody will walk right out at the appropriate time, get right out at the first spot right near the door and let you park right in. Folks, favor is not fair, but I will take it every single time. There is something on your life that is causing God to be good to you, whether it is to the north, to the south, to the east, or to the west. Favor is surrounding you like a shield so that everywhere that you go, good things are happening to you. Come on, does anybody believe that today? Come on, I'm talking about something good. Wake up every day. Something good is going to happen to me today. Over and over and over again in the dream team, when I see those dream team members showing up, serving with all their heart, joyful, respectful, I mean, just on fire for God, I see that when they show up and they're here or wherever the case may be, and then it's always those that come back sending us testimonies. I wasn't even looking for a job, and somebody on LinkedIn LinkedIn contacted me, offering me a job. Yeah. There's a young lady that uh, is a member of the church, and she had just got diagnosed with, uh, with breast cancer, and she was not looking for a job. She's trying to get her mind and spirit right to receive her healing. And in the, uh, no, right before that, this, this, uh, this employer just kept badgering her, we want you to work for us. We want you to work for us. We want you to work for us. But she's been faithful in small things. Yeah. She works in excellence in the small things. Yeah. She's committed to the small things. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean she, she's always there on time, always doing. She was even in the midst of chemo up here doing what she does. Yeah. They found her out, would not leave her alone. Yeah. Finally, she relented and said, let me check it out. They ended up giving her everything she wanted, and it was after she accepted the position that she got the diagnosis. Not even on the job a good 90 days. 
She tells her boss, they're like, you know what? Don't take FMLA. We're going to work around it. Ooh. We'll minimize your travel. You work from home. I tell you, I mean, favor astounding. Yeah. Come on, and that's on you, and that's, that's on, on you. That's on you. Come on, and that's on you. Come on, receive that. And that's on you. That's on everyone in this room. God doesn't have favorite children. All of his children are his favorite children. Come on, somebody's business is getting ready to take off because of the favor of God. Not your intelligence. Come on, not your ability to market, but because God's hand is on your business. It's called the favor of God. Next thing is influence. God will bring you to a higher level of influence. Results of connecting in community. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21 says here, King James verse, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice you have to have that first before we can get to the second part of that. You've got to be a good and trustworthy servant. How I many know you want to get to, your, to the end of your life or you want to stand before your boss or whoever it is and what you want to hear is well done. You don't want to just be a good employee. You want to be a trustworthy employee, right? He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I love this. Thou has been faithful or trustworthy over a few things. Now I'll make thee ruler over many things. See, the way to get more is by being faithful and trustworthy over what you currently have. How are you managing $30,000 a year? How are you managing the car you're driving now? How are you managing the apartment you're living in now while believing God for a house? Yeah, see, we're out looking at beautiful homes, but are we good and trustworthy in the apartment? See, do we clean the car that we currently drive? I don't like my job, but am I good and trustworthy on this job? See, before I start believing for another one, how am I treating the one that I currently have? Because he said, now, when you've been faithful over what you currently have, then I can make you ruler over a whole lot more. Influence. What is he doing? Increasing your influence. That's right. Number three, the, this is a harvest, believe it or not. You all ever notice when that busy people, successful people seem to get busier? You all are those people. You, somebody calling you to do one thing, then everybody relying on you to do something else. You're the go-to person in every situation. Number three, one of the harvests of being that person is greater responsibility. Greater responsibility. Luke chapter 12, verse 48b, the second part of 40, verse 48, it says, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him much is required. And to men who've committed much, of them will they ask more. That's right. That's good. When you are doing good, everyone loves to be around and be hooked up and connected to somebody doing good. That's right. And that's a good thing. You just know, need to learn the art the craft, the skill, and the wisdom of when to say those two illustrious, lovely letters. No. But you want to be in the position to say no rather than somebody else saying no to you. That's good. So when you are doing well, you're productive, excellent, humble, faithful, operating in purpose and on purpose, God will see it's in the earth. People can't help but to want to give you more to do. 
Because that same type of excellence is what you end up producing no matter where you are. Yeah. It just shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people want. Yeah. So that's a good thing. But you just have to exercise priorities in the art, the skill, the wisdom of saying and when to say and how to say now. That's good. And number four, harvest. These are results, again, of connecting to, 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 to a community. Number four is harvest. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And you have to think like a, a farmer when you're harvesting. A lot of times, you know, it's just because we live in this millennial generation where we want it when. We want to plant the seed and harvest all on the same day. <laughs> How many know in the kingdom it doesn't work that way? In the kingdom it's called seed, time, and harvest, right? It's first the blade, then the ear, ear, then the full corn in the ear, right? Then you put the sickle in and you harvest, right? So in the kingdom, it's called process. So what you've got to understand is don't look for results instantly, but just keep sowing. And how many know one day you're going to reap a harvest? All right. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't ever get tired of doing what's right because it's right. Why? Because there's a due season coming for you. Yes. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody in here today. I said there's a due season coming for you. Watch this. Where you're going to harvest, but it's conditional. As long as you don't quit. That's right. I now understand, folks. We were, again, at this conference out in California on last week. And really, I was sitting there coming to learn, and I realized and I almost started crying in one of the sessions that God had already brought us further than most of the people we were learning from in three years. Yes. And I literally, at certain moments, just teared up. And it just humbled me. And what I realized that this didn't just happen overnight. See, this is now 22 years of sowing. That 22 years later, we're now beginning to reap a harvest of seed that we sown. This didn't happen overnight, folks. We're not an overnight success. If we are, then it took 22 years to get here. Which means there was a lot of jobs and a lot of things that meant from youth pastor to campus minister, come on somebody, to gopher, to all kind of different things, right? Doing whatever you're asked to do, whenever you're asked to do it, but just staying under and having the determination to not quit. Folks, you're going to walk into something that is beyond what you're, man, listen to me. There's a harvest out here waiting for you that is beyond your wildest dreams. I will never forget, folks, losing a salary on one day and receiving three times the salary over a 90-day period in gifts. And listen to me, 90% of those gifts came outside of the state of Georgia. These gifts were not from members of churches here in, in, in Georgia. These were people that we sold seed to years ago. One of them was a little boy in the youth department that was a thug in a gang, had a child out of wedlock at the age of 15. Come on, everybody else up. wrote him off. That's right. But we believed in him. Didn't know the boy was going to go pro one day and, and win two Super Bowls but play in three. Come on, somebody. Got wind of what happened to his former youth pastor and said, that, that's not going down on my watch. 
Never called me, called somebody else to figure out what my salary was, right? And then sent it in the mail with just a note attached to it so you can focus on your uh, ministry ministry and not have to think about how to take care of your family. Come on, folks. See, in this millennial age, we want things quick. Yeah. You realize when I I remember when the microwave first came out. Mm. It took you about it, it was still faster than the oven, but it still took you about 3 to 4 minutes to heat something up. Today's microwaves, these convection microwaves, put it in there for 30 45 seconds and your stuff is done. Yeah. Things are getting faster. The days are getting faster. The seasons are getting faster day by day. Our expectations are getting faster. If we don't get to where we want to go on in 3 clicks, we're shutting down the site. If you look at these kids, if that video is not up in 15 seconds, they're going on to the next thing. But it's the one who does not quit. It's the one who is faithful. It's the one that's relentless. It's the one that's determined. It's the one that's diligent. It's the one that's committed. The one that's vested. That gets the reward. And understand this. He says don't grow weary in well-doing because you're going to feel like quitting. That's right. You're going to feel like giving up. Uh. And there's two sides of that balanced scale. You got to know that God called you. And if God called you, then there is an enemy on assignment to get you to quit. But the longer you keep sowing, the more, longer you keep uh, being committed, the longer you stay in excellence and the longer that you are faithful, a lot of times the bigger the harvest is. Yes. The other side of that balance is that you just better make sure that God's telling you to do this and not you. Yeah. Because if God's not in it, then you'll be overcome time after time after time. And if I can just be transparent with you, that's an area that Satan tempts me in every week is to quit. Matter of fact, multiple times throughout every week. You don't need to do that. There are other things you can do. At the same time while that's happening, opportunities are being offered to me. It's amazing how it always works together like that. Somebody presents this great idea, business opportunity, great situation. Man, me and you can do this together. Same time those things happen, I have to make a determination in that moment to not quit. So you've got to understand, folks, that's not just your career. He'll tempt you to quit on your marriage. He'll tempt you to quit on your children, right, because he understands there's a harvest. That's why he comes against husbands and wives so hard. They could stay together. There's a big harvest for them waiting on the end of their obedience. Folks, if you didn't get anything out of this today, don't quit. That's right. That's right. Come on. I, I need a little better amen than that. I, I, I said if you didn't get anything else out of this today, don't quit. Let's close right here. Go to Genesis chapter 39. And, and actually, I'm just out of time, so I'm going to give you a synopsis. I mean, Joseph was a person that was determined to not quit. Everybody knows the story of Joseph. When you get some time, read it from really Genesis chapter 36 all the way through chapter 50. Read the entire story. But the scripture says that Joseph had the favor of God on him, and God caused everything that he did to prosper. Right? And so, how many know sometimes that'll lead you to a place of promotion? The scripture says that in Potiphar's house, there was no one greater than Joseph. Joseph had command of everything out in the field. He had command of everything in the house. And then Potiphar's wife. See, everything we've been talking about, right? Because the scripture said that Joseph was a goodly man to look at. 
And so the Potiphar was gone. Potiphar's wife was left at the house. The scripture says that she came to him and she said, Joseph, lie with me. Joseph said to her, why would I do this wicked thing? Uh, your, father, your husband has left me in charge of everything. There's only one thing that he told me I couldn't touch, and that's you because you're his wife. And he said, even furthermore, why would I do this wickedness before God? And the Scripture says he flee out of the house. So a couple of things I want you to understand from this. He never said, why should I do this wickedness against Potiphar? That's not what he said. He said, why should I do this wickedness against God? How many of you know that's integrity right there? Well, the Scripture says that day after day, it doesn't tell us how many days, but day after day she continued to put the press on him. Now, how many know she wasn't putting the press on him? She was, she was getting dressed to put the press on Every time Joseph come in the house, I can imagine she just standing up, posting up somewhere against the wall. <laughs> Joseph! <laughs> Or let's just bring that up to today, today's vernacular. How I many you know Joseph come in that house and she turn around, Joseph? <laughs> and, and we don't know how long this went on. But every time Joseph would see her, Joseph go right back out of the house. So one day she got so frustrated, so upset, she tried to attack Joseph. And he came out of his garment, ran out of the house. She kept his garment and then concocted this scheme. So that when Potiphar came home, she said that Joseph tried to be with me and embarrassed. Now, of course, her husband's going to react that way, right? And so Joseph gets thrown in jail. But because, see, this is why you want to do what's right because it's right. Because sometimes doing what's right will still get you put in a bad situation. But if you keep your heart right, God will bring good out of it. So, so even though Joseph was put in something, you can get fired wrongfully. There are a lot of things that can happen in life, folks. has nothing to do with you. But if you keep your heart right and you really are a person of integrity, I mean, you know, the ultimate thing is it's going to turn out to your, good, to your good. So even though Joseph was put into prison, the same thing was on. And the Scripture says that he had favor with the pris- keeper of the prison. And, and the Scripture said that the pr- uh, prison guard put everything that was in the prison under Joseph's care. Right? And, and after 11 years, the baker has a dream, right? Or the uh, Pharaoh has a dream. The baker uh, goes up and says that I'm going to tell uh, the uh, Pharaoh about who can interpret the dream. He forgets, leaves David in jail, I mean, uh, uh, Joseph in jail for two more years. So 13 years go by, but, but then uh, Potiphar ends up having another, Pharaoh, Pharaoh ends up having another dream. Right? And so uh, Joseph is the only one. Then they remember there's a man down there in jail. See, the favor of God is on him that knows how to interpret dreams. And you all know the rest of the story. The wisdom in that was the interpretation of the dream was that 14 years were coming, seven lean years, right, or seven years of, of great harvesting and seven lean years. The wisdom that God gave Joseph was to put up one-fifth or 20% during the harvesting years so that you could have something against the lean years. And then uh, Pharaoh says, I've never seen this kind of wisdom in anyone else. Then Pharaoh promotes him the second in charge. So I want you all to see here, there's something about keeping your zipper zipped up. We're all grown folks here, and your panties pulled up. That will bring you to a place that you couldn't bring yourself to. See, even though Joseph was treated wrong, his integrity kept him 
and ultimately ended up promoting him to second in charge because he decided to keep doing what was right regardless of what happened to him. I'm speaking to somebody in this room today. Come on, I know the Spirit of God is speaking to somebody in this room. Now you think about it, 13 years in in jail to second in charge. Had he probably came up through the normal ranks, it would have took him 13 years to get that position. So even though he was in jail, God was still counting that towards righteousness because he was doing what was right because it was right. And I'd like to believe this. All the income that he lost while he was in jail, God restored it all back to him in one day. And again, operating in purpose and on purpose, the purpose was so much greater than Joseph. Mm. Mind you, Egypt at that time was the empire. That was the country. That was the empire of the world. Everyone came to Egypt. Everyone wanted to be in Egypt. Everyone worshipped and acknowledged the Pharaoh. So he wasn't just made second in command, vice president of the United States. We're talking about the entire hemisphere. And guess what? When that happened, even Potiphar and his nasty, wicked little wife had to bow at his table. Come on now. And he said this when he encountered his brothers. Yeah, wrap it up. Who knows why this was done? But for one reason and one reason only, that I could be used to save many lives. Yeah. So that's so good. Think about that for a minute. He told his brothers, what you all meant for evil, God God turned turned it around. And then he said this, to use it for my good so that he could save much people alive. So whatever influence you get, whatever favor you get, whatever level harvest you receive, use it to win more souls to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody ought to lift their hands and just thank God for that today. Come on, let's just lift our hands and thank God for that today. I know somebody out here is weary. I know someone out here is tired. I know, I know what that's like to keep doing what's right because it's right. And a lot of times, even when you don't feel appreciated, you can't go by your feelings or what you believe, people. Forget all of that, folks. Just make a determination today to not quit don't get weary and well doing. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your family. Don't quit on your job. Don't quit on your business. Just don't quit. Stay in there. Get before God. Figure out what it is he wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. And folks, you're going to reap a harvest in due time as long as you don't quit. And so, Father, I pray for every person in this room. You've not given them a spirit of fear or timidity, Father. You've given them a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And so, Father, I pray that they'll use that to overcome any fear of quitting, Father, any fear of being timid in their situations, Father. And they're going to walk in love and have a sound, peaceful mind, Father. Power of God is going to help them reach their goals. I speak that and pray that over their lives now in Jesus' name. While you're in that attitude of prayer today, you can remain seated. I don't want to do anything to embarrass anyone today. I really want to give you an opportunity to be a part of the greatest family ever known to man, and it's called the family of God. And so if you're in this building today, we want to.